You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Welcome, South Bay Church. Uh, it's good to be here with you all. Uh, my name is uh, Daniel Kim, and uh, I just want to welcome our, our first-time guests. Hopefully you feel welcome today and uh, encouraged by God and our fellowship. Uh, thank you for sharing your Sunday morning with us, and I hope you guys get uh, just a great deal of Jesus today. Uh, but my name is Daniel Kim, and uh, along with Betty Collins, we have the awesome privilege to uh, help and serve in our singles ministry here. And uh, I just really want to lift up our singles uh, a few weeks ago, we had a uh, big Thanksgiving feast at Jimmy Chang's house. And if you guys haven't been to Jimmy Chang's house, it's a huge mansion and uh, it's high ceilings and, and it's amazing out in PV. And uh, I just really want to lift up Monse and Andrew and Janelle. Uh, they did a really awesome job of just really leading that event. I mean, I can't really do it justice, but they uh, did all the organization with the food assignments, the little, little decorations, and uh, they even designed like their own photo booth, right? You guys made your own photo booth? So they just did an awesome job. We had times of just eating a lot of food, and, and, and by the time we walked away, we felt super full and super encouraged. So thank you guys for that. Um, but I just want to kind of share some, uh, some news. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, something happened, and uh, if you guys have Facebook, you guys probably saw But I recently uh, proposed to my girlfriend. Yeah. So um, she is off the market. (laughs) Um, Where is it at? Yeah, she's off the market. I just wanted to make that clear here. So, uh, you know, you never know. No, you'd be surprised. I think this is not turning on here. It's on the on switch here. What's that? What what was that? Yeah, it's not uh, switching for me. You might need to switch this for me. But anyways, it was such an encouraging time. Uh, Is it up there now? Um, It was such an encouraging time to be uh, with my uh, fiancé. So basically, uh, it was every other day, and she thought we were just going to the movies with our friends at downtown Disney. And little did she know, I was going to ask her to be my wife and to marry me. And so I, used, I, I wasn't nervous when I was uh, doing the planning process, when I got the diamond ring. Like, I wasn't really nervous at all, even when I came up with the plan. But something that morning, I woke up, I'm like, man, I'm about to ask her to, like, marry me. And it, I had these, like, butterflies. And, and the movie that we watched was uh, called Blade Runner. I don't know if you guys heard of it, with uh, Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. And that's a three-hour movie. So I'm in the movie theater like, oh, my gosh. And the movie is not fast. It's slow. And it's really, really slow. And so, like, the first hour passed, and I was like, oh, my gosh, two more hours. It was like a countdown in my mind. So I couldn't even focus on the movie. And then, like, an hour was left. And then, finally, the credits came on, and I was, like, exhausted, like, mentally. Um, And emotionally, before I even, like, asked, I was like, oh, man. And so when the credits rolled, I'm like, oh, this is really happening. And one of my friends had the diamond on him because I couldn't bring it with him because downtown Disney has uh, security now, so you can't walk in. Uh, so he put it in the sock, and I went in. Uh, not the diamond ring in the sock, but he had the case in the sock, <laughs> clean socks. And I uh, went in the bathroom. We made the exchange, and then we walked to the uh, California Grand Hotel in the courtyard. It was kind of like this secluded area, and we were just walking, and, 
you know, I was getting a little bit more nervous. And uh, there's this, like, big dome here. It's like this big circle. Uh, and I just asked. And I asked her right there. And that's her reaction, if you notice. She starts walking away from me. <laughs> so, uh, she, you see how she's, like, putting distance away? And I'm just like, uh, is she going to say yes? Uh, but ultimately, she did say yes. So uh, we're officially engaged. And uh, right after that, I had some close friends and family come out from the lobby area of the hotel to greet us. And you probably can't see the signs, but there are some really cool, clever signs that they thought of. I didn't tell them to, like, come up with this, but it's like, congrats, hashtag Kim wedding coming soon. Oh, I just can't wait to be Kim. You know, that was clever. (laughs) And so they were really clever. We haven't found a hashtag for our wedding yet, but we're still trying to uh, come up with that. So if you guys have any cool ones, let us know. Uh, We'll be more than happy to take them. Um, and also, uh, somebody that didn't make this picture is Janelle, because she was actually our photographer. And so I wanted to kind of shout her out, because she was hiding behind the trees, uh, getting all itchy in the leaves, and taking pictures for us. So uh, I really appreciate her a lot, and uh, me and Nerissa are really encouraged. So our sermon series, if you guys know, it's called Between Two Trees, and uh, really what this is is God's story in all of this and how we are all intertwined. And it starts off in the book of Genesis uh, with the tree of life. And then uh, uh, we also go to the tree of life in the book of Revelations. And so somewhere along in, in, into these two big trees, we're somewhere in the middle. And there's been all these stories that we've been talking about. Uh, we talked about uh, Adam and Eve in the Genesis of how God created the first humans. And Adam and you know, Eve ate the forbidden fruit. And then they were cast out. Uh, Then we talked about Abraham. Abraham was God's chosen guy to start his new nation. And he said he would make his descendants multiply as many as the stars. So then we had that. And then we had the exile, excuse me, the exodus, where we had Moses come and and rescue the Israelites and help them come out of captivity uh, from from Pharaoh. And they crossed the Red Sea and uh, they made it out. And then last week we had Dustin Peckman who preached on uh, the exile. And really that was just the judgment of the people. And they just they failed to live to God's expectations. And so they were in this time of exile in the wilderness and learning the lessons that God was trying to teach them. And so today the title of my lesson is Proclaim the Lord's Favor. Right. Proclaim the Lord's Favor. And so basically all those events that we talked about earlier lead up to this moment. It leads up to the Lord's Favor. And we're going to be talking about Jesus and the Messiah and who he really is. Um, so we're going to start in our passage in Isaiah chapter 61. I didn't put it up here because there's a lot of scriptures. It's 11 verses. So if you guys can start turning your Bibles there. And as you guys do that, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we're going to jump right in. God, uh, thank you for this time to be together. Uh, thank you for the South Bay Church. I'm just so grateful for all the relationships that I have in here. Uh, thank you for letting us worship here and, and listen to the amazing music. And uh, to really just prepare our hearts uh, in reminder of you. God, I pray that you really be with this sermon. I pray that you can take me out of the way completely. I pray that you can just use me as a vessel and that you can really speak. Please help our hearts, help our minds, help us to have soft hearts. Let your Bible come alive and really permeate and and penetrate to our hearts, God. I I pray this and I lift this up all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start off in Isaiah chapter 61. And uh, before I do, I kind of want to give some context of some, you know, what's, what's going on before we start here. Um, Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and Isaiah was a prophet. And basically what a prophet is is someone that prophesies the future. 
they foretell what the future is gonna is is gonna be before it happens. So they get visions from God that God has gifted them with. And so Isaiah, he was super poetic. The way he prophesied were were great. I don't know if any of you guys like poetry, but he the way he prophesied, he used physical concepts to describe spiritual reality. Let me say that again. He uses physical concepts to describe spiritual realities. And prior to Isaiah 61, he talks about how the mountains are singing and the trees are clapping. Can you guys envision that? The mountains are singing. The trees are clapping. He pictures God's people being made into a watered garden. So he uses this vivid imagery to paint kind of the division of what uh, God is saying that's going to happen. And, and the point is that Isaiah continues to use this physical imagery to describe the spiritual realities of the people. And the same is happening here in Isaiah chapter 61. So let's take a look. You guys there? All right. So Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the renewed cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in the riches you will boast. Instead, you, instead of your shame, you will, be a du- you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will, receive, excuse me, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people and the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adores his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden seed, seed excuse me, garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Amen. So, wow, how many of you guys feel encouraged just reading this? I don't know about you guys, but when I read that, I feel encouraged. You know, imagine hearing these words that Isaiah was talking about. You know, just to kind of give you guys some context of what was going on, the Israelites were going through a lot. You know, they were suffering. Uh, They just got conquered by the Babylonians, then the Medes, then the Persians, the Greeks, and now the Roman Empire. So they've been in captivity all this time. And and so everyone's talking about, where is this Messiah? Where is he at? We've been enslaved for so long. Who's going to free us? And so the thing in this passage, the message of the good news is not to really who who are those in jail or who are physically poor. Isaiah is painting a picture again, like I talked about. He's painting a picture of our sin problem. You know, we are captives and we're in prison because we're enslaved to sin. 
And so Isaiah was giving us a prophecy of the Messiah who's coming to set us free. Amen? So, and, and during that time, there was something called the Jubilee. Have you guys heard of that before? The Jubilee, and it was a big deal. It happened every 50 years. It was a 50-year cycle, and basically the trumpets would sound. There would be a big alert. Everyone would get excited, and everything basically got restored. Uh, everything was going to be put back. Slaves were going to be freed from their masters. Debts were going to be completely wiped off, and it was a great time of celebration. It was a, a time of just rejoicing. Uh, raise your hand here if you guys have any debt that you guys wish you guys didn't have. All right. Okay, that's, that's a good chunk of you guys. Raise your hand again. All right, so your debt's canceled. Your debt's gone. Back row, you guys have no more debt. Gone. Merry Christmas. It's over. It's gone. You have no more. No more car payment. No more loans. No more mortgage. How would you guys feel? Right. You know, I would feel the same. I would be ecstatic. I would be so filled with joy that, are you serious? I don't have to pay back my student loans? Free schooling? Yes. That's how it should be anyways. But I would be so ecstatic. Um, Our joy would be uncontainable, wouldn't it? And that's what the Jubilee was about. It was this big reset button. It was like someone just pressed the button, and everything was wiped off. And so it was a big deal. And so when the prophets talked about the Messiah and the prophecies, they were using jubilee language because people understood that kind of verbiage at the time. They knew it was a time of excitement. It was a time of a big reset. And so by the time Jesus is here, we're going to fast forward 700 years. Okay, so we're gonna, I'm going to spare you guys the 700 years. We're going to just fast forward 700 years and pick up where, where Jesus comes into the picture. And so the people have been waiting a long time. And just like everybody was looking forward to the jubilee, everybody was looking forward to the Lord's favor. Amen. So so now we fast forward and transition 700 years to John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3. We're not going to turn our Bibles there because we don't have time to get into that. But basically, John was there, and he was preparing the way for Jesus. He was baptizing people, and he was just telling that the Messiah was coming, and that he was here to restore everything, to create the balance, to renew hope. And so John was going out there preaching, saying that there is someone greater than I coming. And so we're going to pick up in chapter 4 where Jesus just gets baptized, and he gets tempted in the wilderness, and this is where our story picks up. So my first point today is fix your eyes on the Messiah. Fix your eyes on the Messiah. In Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to 21, this is where our story picks up. Uh, We're going to go ahead and read that. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue and was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Sounds familiar? This is what we just talked about, we just read in Isaiah 61. He then goes and says, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow, so what's, what's going on here? So Jesus is back in his hometown in Nazareth, and he's in the synagogues. 
and he picks up the scroll of Isaiah. He reads this, and he says, today the scripture is fulfilled. And everyone's just looking at him. Their eyes are just fixed on Jesus, on his every single word. I could just imagine the room. It's just quiet, like this. And they're just staring at him. You can just hear a pin drop. And Jesus is talking, and he's preaching, and he's reading this, and he says, the scripture is going to be fulfilled. What audacity is that? What boldness is that? And, you know, when Jesus talks about this, Jesus claims this for himself. You know, they didn't have microphones back in the day, but if I felt like if they did, Jesus would have the mic and just dropped it. It would have been boom. It was that kind of a statement. Jesus probably wouldn't do that because he's not prideful. But I could just imagine that happening. He was saying this. And Jesus is saying this is why he's here. He's here to make Israel great again, to fulfill all the promises. And this is a big deal. And kind of like that Jubilee language, Jesus talks about how the Lord's favor is going to be fulfilled. And so that reset button, Jesus becomes that reset button. But it's, a, it's in an even bigger cosmic sense. You guys understand that? It's more than just your debt. It's your, your, your eternal life here. So Jesus was here to rescue us from our sin and give us an opportunity in life in heaven with him. You know, here's some... Uh, some, uh, some toys and Christmas gifts we had throughout the years. You guys probably uh, noticed a few of them. Raise your hand if you know what slime is. You guys? Okay. So that's the oldest one on this uh, picture map. I didn't go too far back because I didn't want to confuse some of the teens. Because um, I looked at some of them and I was like, man, I cannot relate to this. But that's the slime. We got the Hungry Hungry Hippos. Uh, remember those? Remember when you would play with those and all the marbles would eventually be gone after a month? Like you can't find them anymore. We got the Rubik's Cube. We got the Smurfs. We got uh, the Cabbage Patch. The original Game Boy. The original one. The one that didn't have color. Uh, Pogs. Who remember Pogs? Oh, yeah. Those were fun. And the Tamagotchi. You know, you have to take care of a pet. I kept killing mine because I never took care of them right. Um, <laughs> they said you got to feed it, and it kept getting angry. <clears throat> one day I checked Saturday morning, and, like, it died on me. I'm like, No. The skull came out and it died and went to heaven. But uh, that's there. And then the real MVP, my MVP, is Tickle Me Elmo. Uh, to me, that's the MVP because out of all of these, I feel like this is the one that's still most relevant. Um, of course, you got the Rubik's Cube. Of course, you got the Game Boy. But Elmo is everywhere. They're in all your homes. All your kids have them. And it's, it's you know, no matter what generation it is, that's the one that I remember. And at the end of the day, it's funny because it's just a stuffed animal, right? With, like, big eyes, and, and it, it laughs, and, you know, it's around the kids. But it's funny because we make a big deal out of these things, you know, and it becomes something that every kid wants at one point, doesn't it? And, and the world knows how to market it, don't they? They're really good at marketing. Do you guys know that Christmas is the highest grossing holiday of the year? By far. It's not even close. The consumerisms, the, the malls, if you guys go to the malls, it's still early December, but it's packed. I went in there at nine, 10 o'clock in the morning the other day to pick up a gift card, and Macy's was packed. I'm like, man, people don't have work? This is crazy. <laughs> Literally, I was there like at 10 o'clock, and everybody was just in there shopping. Um, and Halloween is the second highest grossing holiday of the year. Not surprising, right? But these toys and gifts aren't bad. They're not a bad thing. In fact, they're cool, and we have a lot of fond memories with them. I, I know I do. And, but if we're not careful, you know, it's easy to lose focus and not fix our eyes on Jesus, you know, especially during this holiday season. You know, it's so easy to fix our eyes on other things, things that aren't as important, 
You know, we fix our eyes on, you see your neighbors setting up the Christmas lights. You're like, oh, I want to set up my Christmas lights. You want to participate in white elephants and, and secret Santas. I'm in like six of them. You know, um, you, you, you participate in gifts and, and, and presents and putting up the Christmas tree and, you know, who gets to put up the star and all this stuff. And, you know, we can even get into debt, some of us. You know, I think it, having the ideal Christmas and, and using money that we don't even have, that we ended up having to pay for it the year after. Um, and I, you know, I believe a lot of us have good intentions, but the world is so good at pulling us, pulling us away from Jesus. You know, and what started off as, you know, innocent intentions, it just becomes this frenzy, and we lose sight of what's important. You know, it should be, you know, time about spending time with your family, your friends, your loved ones. But ultimately, what's, what's Christmas supposed to be about? It's supposed to be about Jesus, you know? And Jesus is the reason for this season. Jesus is the reason why Isaiah 61 is prof, uh, fulfilled. Jesus is the reason why we need to fix our eyes on him and not everything else. So we have to intentionally focus and fix our eyes back on Jesus. And, you know, I want to give you guys a quick challenge here. You know, I want you guys to write down three characteristics of Jesus you admire. Okay, write down three. You know, it's so easy to get into all these Christmas wish lists and get really lost in the holiday spirit. But I want to challenge you guys to think about three characteristics of Jesus that you personally admire. And then pick one. Pick one that you're going to study out in the Bible and try to apply it this week. Try to apply it this week. Um, I know for myself, uh, I love Jesus' unconditional love. I mean, that calls me higher every day. Because sometimes my love is conditional. If I'm not feeling as patient, it's like, ah, oh, I don't want to be loving back. So Jesus calls me higher there. Uh, I love Jesus' servant heart. He is so selfless. He's always focusing on others. You know, I love Jesus' boldness. He's always bold, and it will speak the truth. And these are all areas that I want to continue to grow in. But something that I want to focus on, specifically this week, is just, you know, his servant heart. You know, lately I've, I feel like I've been so consumed with the wedding and so consumed with planning. And as you guys know, wedding planning is no joke. Um, I, you know, I'm a, I thought I was a decent planner, but it's a lot of work, and it's really expensive, and Sometimes it stresses me out, and I get so lost in that, you know, that sometimes I forget to focus on others. And so this week, I want to study out Jesus' heart and how he was always serving others, even when he was tired, even when he was hungry. And I want to be able to study that out this week and serve someone this week. So if you guys can keep me accountable, next time you see me, ask me, hey, DK, did you uh, serve somebody? And hopefully I have an answer that I did. Amen? My second point today is the Messiah will set you free. The Messiah will set you free. So the first point was you got to fix your eyes on Jesus first. And the second point is the Messiah will set you free. And before we kind of talk about really what that means, what the Messiah set you free, I want to talk about how there was just so much still doubt amongst the people. Even though the Messiah was here to ultimately set us free, it didn't register for a lot of people. And sometimes even for us, really what this means. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 22, it says, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? You know, this happened right after Jesus read that Isaiah 61 scroll. And it says that everybody was amazed. 
at his gracious words. But then they start questioning, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Like, are you, are you sure you're the Messiah? So people are already start having the doubts. Even though Jesus represents freedom, he, it didn't register for some people. Another passage in Luke chapter 7, verse 20. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Even John the Baptist, he sent some of his disciples to ask Jesus, and Jesus considered John the greatest prophet out there of all time. And even John had to, like, confirm that. You know, are you the one who's to come? Or respect someone else? You know, in Luke chapter 7, verse 21 to 22, it says, At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You know, Jesus is saying, go back. Tell John, what else am I supposed to do? I am fulfilling Isaiah 61 as we speak. What other proof do you need? This is me. I have come to set the world free. And, and obviously the Pharisees are always confused. The Pharisees can never seem to get it. You know, and we can be like this too. I can be like this. I can get religiously prideful and, and, and not really get Jesus' true meaning. And in Luke chapter 17 it says, Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would, be, would come, Jesus replied, The coming of kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. So the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, I'm right here. I'm in front of you. And you still can't get it. You still can't get it. Especially the Pharisees, they had their religious protocols, their traditions, their rules, and they could never really seem to get the heart of Jesus. And if you miss the heart of Jesus, then you're not going to really understand what Jesus is here for, right? So you have to first understand Jesus' heart. You know, um, the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom that the people were expecting. They're two different things. You know, Jesus came here for something else. The people were expecting a new government. They're expecting someone to come and overthrow the Romans. Who's going to come and save us? It wasn't this political revolution. And that's what Jesus was here for. It wasn't. It wasn't free food for everyone. Even though Jesus wanted to feed everyone, that's, that wasn't his call. It wasn't to feed everyone. You know, people wanted a savior on earth to set them free from the earthly chains. You know, heal me from my blindness. Heal me from my paralysis, my demon possession, my skin condition. And the amazing thing is, Jesus did those, all those things, didn't he? He still healed the blind. He still fed the hungry. He still healed the, para- uh, the paralyzed people, the demon possessions. He did it all. But Jesus wanted to do something even bigger than that. It wasn't just for healing. He wanted to set them free. He wanted to set them free from sin. And how that's going to happen is for people to become Christ followers. You know, it's not just every 50 years, but Jesus was coming to bring the ultimate jubilee. No, it wasn't just every 50 years, but forever. So Jesus is the biggest reset button out there. You guys remember the Jubilee that I talked about and how it's a reset? Well, Jesus is the biggest reset button. That all your sins are canceled. I'm going to take it all myself. 
And so that's what Jesus' purpose was. He was to come to set us free. And giving up their old simple life is something that Jesus kept teaching and becoming like him. You know, that's truly the way to be set free. In John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32, you know, we're all familiar with this passage. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So who's Jesus talking to here? To the Jews, and did they believe Jesus and believe in God? They did. They believed in him. But Jesus is saying that's not enough. It takes more than just believing. He says you have to hold. It's conditional. If you hold to my teachings, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And what's the truth going to do? Set you free. And what sets us free is Jesus, the words that he spoke. And they're written all over in the Bible. You know, Jesus calls us to hold on to his teachings, not our own. He calls us to follow him and have a change in mindset. And really, when I think about that, I think about repentance. Isn't that what repentance is? Isn't repentance a mind change? It's an alteration of your mind. You know, the Greek word is metanoia. You know, it's a paradigm shift in your mind. You know, it's kind of like the way I like to think about it. It's like the the, the aha moment. Like, kind of like if you're putting a puzzle together, a jigsaw puzzle, and you've got the last piece left, and right before you put it on, you, it finally clicks. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're like, oh, that's where it goes. This is where that last piece of the puzzle goes. And that's what repentance is. When you, when you know that, when you have this mind change, that's when you can start your way of being set free. But in order to do that, you still have to make a decision. You have to make a decision to repent and to hold to his teachings. You know, since we're talking about the holidays, I figured I'd talk about this guy. Who knows who this guy is? Ebenezer. What was his famous words? Yeah, he said that all the time. He was so grouchy, man. He was grouchy all the time. Um, You know, Ebenezer Screw was in low pay, probably lower than the minimum wage. And he had all these resources to help people. He had the money to help the poor. He had money to help families, and he didn't do it. He felt like, you know what, if I don't help them, good. It's going to help our population decrease. That was, that was his mindset. You know, he had this cold, cold heart towards others. But then what happened? You guys know the story. Something happened, right? You know, I'm not going to get into the, you know, we don't have time to get into all the ghosts and stories and the visions. But ultimately, Ebenezer had a mind change, didn't he? He repented. And he finally got it when he knew the purpose of, like, why he was on earth. He was there to help others. You know, he became this guy. You know, he became this happy, joyful, giving person. How can this happen? This guy was like the most bitter guy in the world, and all of a sudden he becomes this guy. It's because he repented. He understood. He was set free. And obviously this is a fictional story. This is not real life. But Jesus is real life. And the Bible is real life. And Isaiah 61 is the real life, and proclaim the Lord's favor is real life. And, you know, some of us, I think, you know, we're still trying to decide if we want to follow Jesus and make him Lord of our life. You know, uh, obviously it's the biggest decision of our life. You know, it's the number one thing out there. Uh, The best decision of my life is still Jesus is Lord. It's not my proposal to Nerese. It's making Jesus Lord because it set me free. It changed the whole course of my life. The fact that I'm even here talking and preaching to you guys is what Jesus has done for me. And, and so some of us are still trying to decide, and that's okay. But I just want to encourage you guys to think about what is more than just making a decision. 
It's about what Jesus is going to set you free from. Amen? You know, I want to talk to the teens. Teens, where are the teens at? You guys here? Um, Catherine's here. Thank you, Catherine. (laughs) Um, You know, maybe you guys are on the fence. Maybe you guys are on the fence still. You guys are like, man, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life, and I want to be a disciple, but DK, I don't think I can be perfect. I don't know... I don't know when I can do it. I still want to kind of go out in the world and experience stuff. And I just don't know if I can do it. And that's normal. You know, I've been there. I felt that way before. Um, And sometimes making Jesus Lord of our life and repenting, it's it's scary. You know, it's scary because you don't know how people at school is going to treat you. You you don't want to be invited to a party and say, you know what, I don't know if I should go to that. So I get it. But guys, I want to encourage you guys. There is no perfect time. The stars aren't going to align. It's not like... Something's going to happen, and you just get this sign, and they say, hey, follow me. It's not. And, and you're always going to be on the fence about this kind of stuff. And just in life, you're going to have to make decisions. And those are things that I'm still trying to learn as I, as, as I grow as a, a young man and, and try to figure things out. But I just want to encourage you guys. If you guys are on the fence, you know, talk to your teen leaders. They've been there. They know what it's like to be afraid. They know what it's like to kind of be on the fence, and you're like halfway in and halfway out. They'll be able to give you stories of how to push through. Amen? For the disciples here, and I want to encourage you guys, all the followers of Jesus, you know, are there any areas that you still need to have a mind change in? Remember, repentance is ongoing, isn't it? Do you ever arrive at the mountain of repentance? Never, right? Until we die, hopefully. Right? We never get there. There's always areas that we need to repent in. You remember when you got uh, baptized? There are some sins that you feel like you can never be set free from. But what does Jesus do? He sets you free. You know, there's still current sin in our lives that we have to get open about. We need to talk about. You know, I want to encourage you guys to talk about that with your disciples, with your friends, with your closest people. Talk about the things that are going on in your life. Because we constantly need to repent. Amen? And any guests, if you guys are new and you're like, what is all this talk about? You know, repentance and, and, and following Jesus. Guys, if you guys are new, I want to encourage you guys to study the Bible. You know, we want to show you the Bible and really what Jesus is about. Amen? So in closing here, you know, let's be a people that continues to fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, in the holiday season, it's so easy to get distracted. Let's fix our gaze on Jesus. Let's focus our attention on Jesus. Let's slow down and look at the Messiah. And let's remember and believe that only the Messiah will set us free. Amen? Amen. So as we transition to communion here, I want to read this passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. It says, Life through the Spirit. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did this by sending his own son in the likeness of simple flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You know, I love this passage because we, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to talk about it. But if you fast forward in Luke chapter 24, it talks about Jesus' death and ultimately his resurrection. You know, the story didn't end that way. 
The story ended with him dying on the cross on Calvary and resurrecting, fulfilling Isaiah 61, helping us have the Lord's favor. And, and I love this passage here because it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because what Jesus did for us. You know, whatever sins that we've had, Jesus has washed them already and paid it in full. Amen? And so I, I love this, this passage here, and I really love this imagery right here. You know, this is uh, kind of like two sides, and what do you guys see in the middle? It's, it's a cross. And really, this is what Jesus did for us. He literally died on the cross, fulfilled that prophecy. And because of his death, we're able to walk across. You know, without Jesus, before Isaiah 61 was fulfilled, there was no cross. There was no way. But now there's a Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.